Welcome back to another episode of The Sports Skinny. My name is Samara Rosenfeld, and I am here with Andrew Heller. Got a lot to talk about today. We're talking Heat Lakers in the NBA Finals, NFL coaches on the hot seat, and of course, our locks of the week for the NFL, week number four. Andrew, how's it been going? It's been going pretty great. Can't complain. Packers are free and out. Bets have been hidden. You got to love to see it. I'm, I'm riding out this whole week on a high note. It's been pretty great. Yeah, I can't say as much. My bets did not fare too well on Sunday. And my lock of the week didn't hit, which was a big blow. The Jets are in complete disarray playing on Thursday night against the Broncos. We're recording this on Thursday. I'm not sure if we'll get the podcast up in time for it to come out tonight or if it'll be out on Friday. But let's let's start with, with some basketball. Obviously, my beloved Celtics lost game six in disappointing fashion to the Miami Heat. This was a series that the Celtics should have won, in my opinion. And I believe a lot of fans are still pretty heartbroken about the way that the Celtics went out it was just not a good game from start to finish and and guys just didn't look sharp they didn't look like they wanted it and Miami did so the Heat Lakers finals opened up on Wednesday night Anthony Davis led the Lakers with 34 points uh that was a game high LA routed Miami it was 116 to 98 and this, to me, looks like an easy, easy series for the Lakers. What do you think? I completely agree. I think Paul Pierce said before game one that he was taking the Lakers in four games. And I think that's, that's, pretty, that's a safe pick because the way it looked last night, the Miami Heat couldn't do anything against that Lakers defense. They couldn't penetrate the paint. They were hitting some three-pointers, but it's not like that game where a hero went off and I think the Lakers pretty much have the talent and they have the experience to take this game in four games. If not, I think it'll be a four-to-one game. Maybe the Heat get one game, but I think the Lakers pretty much dominated. Yeah, I mean, LeBron James didn't have to do too much heavy lifting. He did have a double-double with 25 points, 13 rebounds. But here's what I think Miami needs to do to make this a series. You need guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who are absolutely phenomenal against Boston, to step up again in a big way. Robinson started as he usually does and played 27 minutes. He only had three field goal attempts and three three-point attempts and had zero points the whole game. That's something that he can't do and Miami can't afford for him to do if they want to, you know, make this series close, make the games close. Because this game was a blowout. Mm-hmm. 18 points is a blowout. Then you have Tyler Hero, who added 14 points off the bench, but he had a minus 35 plus or minus. Then you had guys like Andre Iguodala, have, he had a minus 25, and he really goes in for his defense. So that's unacceptable to be minus 25. I think he had seven points to um, – in the whole game which is fine they'll take the seven points but defensively that's a a disaster there's also things that need to be taken into consideration are injuries Jimmy Butler sprained his ankle in game one Goran Dragic tore his plantar fascia in game one and Bam Adebayo injured his shoulder 
Drogic and Adebayo are both listed as doubtful for game two, which is huge. That takes two key players out of the Miami Heat starting lineup. Then what do you do? You have to assume that it likely means that someone like Kelly Olynyk, who's pretty much their only other five guy, would start in place of Adebayo at the five, uh, power forward. And it would probably mean reinserting Kendrick Nunn back into the starting lineup. Now, he was starting a lot before the bubble, but then he came into the bubble, wasn't doing too hot. They took him out of the starting lineup, and he was coming off the bench. I think that Miami would go that route and keep Tyler Hero to come off the bench because of the way that he's been producing, although Kendrick Nunn did have 18 points off the bench in game one. But these injuries are huge. I mean, you're, you're talking about... Adebayo and Dragic absolutely destroyed the Celtics and were such a key presence, especially Adebayo, who can, who can be, make things more difficult for Anthony Davis down low, down the post. And, I mean, Dragic hits those three-pointers and he can drive to the basket. He's a very versatile player who can just get it going and he's a reliable bucket, you know, whenever he has the ball in his hands. This, this can this can prove to be a very, very costly turn of events for Miami. Oh, for sure. I mean, those are two of the Heat's biggest players. And like I said, against the Lakers defense, you need every weapon that you have to be able to step up and produce points. Now, like you said, um, none had a good game, 18 points. There's, that, that's a good, that was a good game one. He had a good game one. So if he has to step up, and get into that starting five role, you know, you might get something out of him, but you're not going to get enough to beat this high-powered Lakers team with Davis, um, LeBron, obviously, Howard, Rondo, all these players of experience. They know how series works. And I agree with you with what you said about Iguodala. You need him to be the best defensive player if you're the Miami Heat. And for him to have a minus, that's not good. You know, you need him to be the top defensive player, and it, it, it's going to be a tough challenge to even get a game or two, I think, against this full, full-forced full Lakers team. Now, speaking of the NBA, there was some chatter today about Kyrie Irving saying how he's not really going to ha- – he doesn't really necessarily consider Steve Nash to be a head coach. And, you know, some days Kyrie will coach and some days Kevin Durant will coach. But your Philadelphia 76ers just announced breaking news, mm-hmm. signing – they'll be signing Doc Rivers as the new head coach to the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, do you have any initial thoughts on that? Um, my initial thoughts are that's cool. I mean, obviously, he's a Hall of Fame head coach. Happy to have him with the organization. But unless the front office makes significant changes and gets more people who can dribble and maybe actually play the point guard position, it doesn't matter who the head coach is. The fact is, the team that we have right now is basically built to make it to the second round of the playoffs. It's not built to win championships. We don't have enough shooters. We, don't, we have a lot of big guys, but we have big guys who can't play at both ends of the ball. And I'm just uh, – maybe Rivers can cook up something magical. And somehow, if – I mean, if we kept the same team that we – but 
what I'm trying to say here is, let's say Rivers cooks up something magical. If we keep the same team that we have right now, there's no way we even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't think. And it's not really on the head coach. It's about the talent that you have at hand, and the talent that we have at hand is injury-prone. And quite frankly, it's not a complete basketball team, in my opinion. And Doc Rivers is known to play – there's always one player he plays where it's just like, why is he playing that player? And he gives that player so many minutes. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what is he doing? Is he doing this for a reason? And it can be irksome, but he is – you are getting poise and professionalism and a guy who does care about the game of basketball. He cares about, you know, issues going on outside of basketball. And he cares about his his players – so, I mean, you, you did hit the nail on the head, though. I mean, the, the 76ers just aren't built right now for where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And can Doc Rivers change that? Is that on him to change? I don't think so. I also believe that that's the front office who needs to be making those big changes. That's not the head coach's job. The head coach just has to go out there with the pieces he has and try to put something together. And he will do that to the best of his ability. It's whether the players rally around him, which they usually do. I mean, the Clippers fell short of expectation, but they still made it to the playoffs. The 76ers are a younger team, and, I mean, we'll see what happens with him. But Doc, you're, you're getting a good coach in Doc Rivers. I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with that. But like you said, um, it's a young team, and the fact of the matter is, it's a young team that's not getting any younger. And quite frankly, we're running out of time, and this really needs like drastic changes. If if there's any people who still believe in the process, this is like your last ditch effort. You know, if we, now we have a Hall of Fame coach. Can the Hall of Fame coach find something out of this group of guys that can propel them to at least just make the conference finals? I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that they can, but I'm hoping that the front office helps them out. And we got to get some different players in here. We got to get somebody who can shoot the ball. We can't be relying on our bench players to be our best shooters. You know, that, 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 that's the long and short of it. There's just not enough people who can shoot the ball. And I said that last year when we signed Al Horford. I didn't get that move then. And I get that that front office is trying, but that. Elton Brand might need to go, plain and simple. If we do not get to some higher level in the playoffs next year or within the next two years, then the Elton Brand experiment has failed. And that's just – it comes down to the front office, I think, at this point for the 76ers. Can they get the pieces in here that can create a championship-winning basketball team? And I don't know if they can. Well, you're getting a good coach again in – Doc Rivers, but there are some coaches in the NFL that, you know, some fans can't say the same thing about. There are some coaches in the NFL who are just doing a poor job and could potentially be on the hot seat. Shout out to my old radio show in college called The Hot Seat. Um, but, But here's one no brainer for me as a Jets fan. Adam Gase has to be on the hot seat. 
And you're seeing conflicting reports from different beat writers who cover the Jets saying that they don't think, even if the Jets lose Thursday night football to the Broncos, they don't think the Jets are going to pull the trigger. But here's the reality of the situation. The Jets currently sit at 0-3 with the worst-ranked offense in the league. They're averaging 12.3 points per game. They have a minus 57-point differential, which is their worst through three games since 2002. The loss on Sunday to the Colts dropped Adam Gase's record to 7-12, and with 10 of those losses being by at least 10 points. Gase has started 0-3 for the second straight year, and still you have the CEO, Christopher Johnson, endorsing Gase just 11 days ago, calling him a brilliant offensive mind, and we're not seeing that. Again, worst-ranked offense in the NFL. The, the offense hasn't produced at all, only put up four touchdowns over three games where the defense has conceded 11, or in general, the Jets have conceded 11. You had two pick sixes from Sam Darnold on Sunday against the Colts in week three. And here's another interesting fact, I guess, is that the Johnson family, who has owned the team since 2000, has never made an in-season coaching change, which is interesting because that's kind of makes sense then why you're seeing those reports by guys like Rich Simony and Ralph Vacchiano, I believe you pronounce his name, uh, from SNY. They're all, they all think that even though, even if the Jets somehow lose to the Broncos, and they are underdogs according to DraftKings, it's they're giving one point to the Jets, Jets plus one over the Broncos today. And, and it's a home game. The Jets are playing at home and are home underdogs against the Broncos who are injured as can be. And, you know, the people who are monitoring the situation are, are saying that, you know, this, this might not be the way that Jets fans want it to be, but they're not so certain that Gase is going to be out. Even, I mean, they're, again, they're monitoring the situation but they don't know that any change will be made. And it's disappointing as a Jets fan to hear something like that because for Johnson to continuously be calling Gase a brilliant offensive mind, he needs to come up with something different. I understand all of the injuries. You had six starters out last week and – the injuries just keep coming. You have Makai Becton, who got hurt in, in Sunday's game, who is one of our strongest rookies. And you, you were missing Brashad Perryman and Jamison Crowder, Lev Bell. But you're a professional football team, and you need to be able to make those adjustments. You know, giving the ball to Frank Gore and, make, and having him run it right up the middle for two yards on a, every play does nothing for you he's continuously just running the same plays over and over and seeing nothing come out of the plays and it's becoming torturous to watch and you know I'm kind of glad that the the Jets have this prime time Thursday night football slot because it means that on Sunday I'll get to watch you know eight straight hours of actual real football and it'll be amazing for me because the Jets have just simply not produced. 
And Adam Gase at some point needs to be held responsible. You can't put it all on Sam Darnold, who is in, what is it, his third season. He's still young. He hasn't seemed to shake off a lot of the cobwebs. He doesn't have that mentality where like someone like Josh Allen, who came into the league the same year as him, is able to throw the football away under pressure instead of holding on to it or making an errant throw. He's, he has more of that offense. He sees the field better, Josh Allen, in my opinion, and is playing like he's been in the league for a couple of years and has finally made that step up. I haven't seen that in Sam Darnold, especially with the two pick sixes. And he had another interception. He had three interceptions total on Sunday. Uh, it just they're, – they're not bouncing back. You, you thought there was a little bit of hope. You know, Sam Darnold throws the pick six – early in the game, it's the first quarter, and the Jets are quickly down 7 nothing. and Darnold drives them down the field, and they score a touchdown, and it's 7-7, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, this is looking pretty good for Darnold to be able to, okay, he shook that one off at least, but the rest of the game was non-existent. It was a complete collapse, and, and you can't just have one drive of the game where you're offensively you know, hitting the mark and then just losing touch with reality the rest of the game. So, and that's on Adam Gase. He needs to call better plays. Him and Darnold need to have better, a stronger connection, even though, you know, all of the players are backing Adam Gase. What are you really going to do? You can't, you can't really say anything bad about your coach because you, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so they're all supporting Gase and, and speaking highly of him. But at the end of the day, if the, if the Jets do fall to 0-4, you know, it's, it's time to, to really get this conversation going. I agree with you. And, I mean, just speaking as an outsider on this, obviously I'm not a Jets fan, but I try to follow the games because I know, you know, you have your – you love them and everything. And here's – yeah, I can't believe he's not more under the hot seat than he already is. Like you said, at some point it has to fall back on him. And I understand that the players are going to support him, but maybe they're just supporting him because they're not playing well. So obviously they don't want anybody to get thrown under the bus because maybe they feel like they're going to get thrown under the bus. Let's say they throw their coach under the bus and the coach is going to be like, well, why don't you perform better? So it's a whole cycle. There's a lot going on in the Jets camp. And it's a shame that Sam Darnold hasn't matured in the way that your franchise was hoping that he would because coming out of USC, I thought that he would have been a better quarterback. I thought he would have been at least somebody that you can hang your hat on for a couple of years. But right now with all the interceptions, especially the pick sixes, I mean, that's, you hate to see a pick six. And it's just, it seems like Darnold gets those a lot more so than our quarterbacks. This could be a make or break game. So yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying, and I'm, I'm surprised he's not under the hot seat more than what he is, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. And at least he's not the only NFL coach under a little bit of scrutiny. I know Dan Quinn on the Falcons, he, he's, he's been – I mean, this dates even back to last season where it's like, how is he still around? you have any, any word on that? Yeah, I can't believe – I mean, this guy should be gone and then some. 
when we look at the games that he's blown this, not only this year, I mean, you can go all the way back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots to look at games that Dan Quinn has blown. But if you look at this year, the numbers say that he had a probability of winning a 99.9% win probability against the Cowboys in week two, and then a 99.3% during week three. And somehow the team still manages to lose. At a certain point, you got to put it on the coach. And, I mean, the Falcons have the pieces, you would think. They got Gurley now. They got Matt Ryan. They got – well, is Julio injured? Julio Julio is injured. Injured, But right. he's questionable for this week. But he was out week three. Okay, so he missed week three. So I can't count that. But, I mean, you have a lot of pieces on Atlanta. You, still, you have Calvin Ridley. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you're still 0-3 as the Atlanta Falcons, and you had the, the lead at least in the last two weeks. I don't know about week one when they were playing the Seahawks. Maybe they never had the lead against them. That's a much tougher opponent. But, yeah, Quinn, I think, should definitely be considered on the hot seat. And just as a side note, I think maybe Doug Peterson should be on the hot seat too. It's a little bit of a change of subject. But Doug Peterson for the Eagles – not kicking the field goal when it's 18, 16 seconds, whatever, in overtime. And you got a 64-yard field goal. I know Jake Elliott can make more than a 50-yard field goal, okay? But you got fourth down, you got a 64-yard attempt, and you don't even throw a Hail Mary or try to kick the field goal to win the game. You just punt it away. That yeah, seems ridiculous. Definitely conceded in that game where they should have been a little bit more aggressive. But I do want to go back. I agree with you. He he might there might start to be some whispers about his job security, depending on how the Eagles fare in the next couple of weeks, because mm-hmm. that certainly hasn't been the start that the Eagles have wanted. But the thing is that the Falcons let the Bears let Nick Foles come in. Nick Foles, who hasn't played this season, come in and do that to them is just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. And that's not to slight Nick Foles. He did have his good run in the Super Bowl where he led the Eagles to the win. But still, coming in cold, I guess you always have to be prepared. But still, yes. get, you, get, you have to get to the quarterback at that point. Exactly, yeah. Or create some kind of a scheme. Like, it's embarrassing. Yeah, playing it short. You have to think of something in that instance, and Dan Quinn didn't. And this, this Falcons team was 0-3, and they are looking at a very bad season yet again. And it's a shame, but I know you – did you – you didn't – we didn't – we don't – we never take the Falcons um, when we're betting. You never, you never bet on the Falcons. I know Marty Mush from Barstool always takes the Falcons. He must be losing so much money. Yeah. For real. I know that the, the Falcons are that team that you're like, oh, well, this is going to be their week. Or no, they won't blow it this week. Take them as dogs or whatever. And I just can't trust them. They're like the Miami Marlins to me. You know, I bet against them, they burn me. I bet for them, they burn me. What am I going to do? Just, I, 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 I can't do it. Can't trust the Falcons. So last week, your bets did pretty good, didn't they? Well, your I picks. Went- I went three and two on my picks for the podcast, um, hit on the Packers, hit on uh, Patriots over, and then hit on the Bengals plus four and a half, only because, again, 
that Eagles Bengals game was just total debauchery. I don't know what the coaches were thinking, but really, my lock of the week is just. I'm just going to nickname it. This is why you should bet the Packers because I think the Packers are locks every single week. I do have a different pick this week, but I would still take Packers minus seven against Atlanta. Speaking of which, that's who we're talking about. I think the Packers roast them on Monday night where I Lambeau. If the spread is seven, eight, nine, ten, take the Packers. They'll cover it for sure. You just, I hope that doesn't come back to bite you because you did just say, when I bet against the Falcons, I get burned. And when I bet on the Falcons, I get burned. So I hope oh, no. that, I hope that you <laughs> bet responsibly on that one. But yeah. what's your, what's your lock of the week? My lock of the week is Seahawks minus six and a half against Miami. And I know Miami played very well against Jacksonville. I was surprised at how they came out on Thursday night. Fitzpatrick had a great game. However, I do not think that that is a consistent team week to week. And the way the Seahawks just – I mean, I think they handled Dallas. Dallas had some chances in that game. If you were a Dallas better, occasionally Dallas took the linear figure, oh, this might hit. But really, the Seahawks had their number. Russell Wilson is on an MVP tear. I, I, I can see them putting up a 21-point win against this Miami defense. I think Seattle routes out the uh, Seattle routes out the Dolphins. 96% of the money right now is on the Dolphins minus six and a half. I'm not the Dolphins, the Seahawks minus six and a half. I'm sorry. So I'll take Seahawks minus six and a half as my lock of the week. Right on. And I mean, my picks were not that great last week. I think I went one and two I had the Bucks win they covered the spread against the Broncos easily but my lock of the week the Arizona Cardinals killed me minus five and a half and the Washington football team plus seven against the Browns also did not hit and there was a chance the the Washington football team kept it close but then you know, you give the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and, and that ground game just can't be stopped. That, that's probably the strongest backfield in the NFL, in my opinion. But, I mean, my lock of the week from last week, I'm still salty about the Cardinals not covering that spread. They didn't even win. The Lions won outright by a field goal, a uh, field goal to, to win the game with the seconds winding down. Prater hits like a 50-yard or something like that. But it, it just proved how costly turnovers were for Kyler Murray. I think he threw two interceptions that both led to points for the Lions, and it was just tough to watch. But that being said, my lock of the week this week, I'm riding with the Bucks minus seven versus the Chargers. The Bucks look hot. After looking, you know, not great in week one against the Saints, who we should start talking about the Saints because the Saints do not look good at all. Um, the Buccaneers offense has put up big numbers in their next two games. Uh, I know that they haven't ver- played against extremely talented teams. You know, you had the Panthers and then the Broncos, but I feel like you're getting kind of the same thing in the Chargers. You have Justin Herbert, 
young quarterback who is still trying to get his footing in the NFL. I don't think Eckler makes a difference in this game. And the Bucks offense just looks hot. They're clicking right now. You have Chris Godwin back in the lineup. He scored a touchdown last week. You have Mike Evans back in the lineup. He scored a touchdown. You have Gronkowski finally making some big, some big offensive plays. So I'm not betting against this Bucks team. I wish that I would have taken them as my lock of the week last week. Looking back, it was such a no-brainer, the Bucks over the Broncos, and, and that Cardinals-Lions was, was a little iffy. But can't change the past. You could just write, write, your, write your destiny in the future. So I'm riding with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Ever since Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady and said that he didn't look good, Tom Brady has been producing, so maybe maybe we need some more calling out of players and coaches this this season. Oh, I completely agree. I, that's a great pick. I love that pick. I'll be taking it myself. I think that the Bucks are clicking on all cylinders. The coach calls Brady out. He puts up two great weeks of offense. It, it, it's easy. It's an easy cover. This team is clicking. And yeah, you gotta love the Bucks in this one. And what about the Saints? Can we let's mention the Saints real quick? The only player that you can really rely on on the Saints is Alvin Kamara to score a touchdown every week. That's a hundred percent true. And I, he had an amazing touchdown against the Packers. It was like Sports Center's number one play, went like seventy yards. I had him to score a touchdown, so I was happy for that. But you're totally right. Other than Alvin Kamara, you can't trust. I mean this. And Drew Brees is just, he's old. He's old. He's not throwing the ball deep anymore. You know, he's trying to take the easy check down routes. And I think people have figured out Sean Payton. I don't think that Sean Payton's coaching anymore as a surprise to anybody. The play calls that the offense are going with, the Packers seem to handle it pretty well. And as far as managing the game clock and possession, they pretty much gave it to the Packers. We had a chance to go up. We had a three-point lead with about eight minutes left, got the ball back, went up a touchdown, well, scored a touchdown, then went up by 10 points. And even if the Saints and Drew Brees pulled off some magic, there wasn't enough time left on the clock to do anything. So I think they're just a spent organization who might need some coaching changes or some changes at quarterback. Although you can't put Taysom Hill in. For those people who want to put Taysom Hill in, because he fumbled on his only touch against the Packers. So I wouldn't even know about that. But the Saints, unless you're going to run the ball to Kamara 60 times a game or whatever, I don't know if it's a, it's a postseason guarantee this year, especially with the Bucks in the same division. You know, I think the Bucks win this division and the Saints may be on the outside looking in. Yeah, that game, game one, week one against the Saints, the Bucks saints game, that was just a fluke. I mean, for the Saints to have gone and beaten Tom Brady and the Bucks, the way that their offense is looking now is unreal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, granted, Mike, Michael Thomas was playing. Thomas hasn't been playing. He has an injured ankle. But, you know, how much – it's the same thing. How much can one guy carry the team – I mean, Kamara's pretty much doing that right now, and maybe it'll take some of the load off of him, but they're not winning, so something has to change. Yeah, the loss of Thomas is definitely a big hurt. 
I don't know. Is he questionable for this week or is he out for this week? I think he's out this week too. He's out this week too. Yeah. the They keep stacking up. The cards keep stacking up against them for the Saints. And they might need a win this week to get a confidence booster. And if not, it, uh, we might be talking about Sean Payton on the hot seat before, you know, before too long. You think that they would do that in the middle of the season? Well, probably not the middle of the season, but I don't know if he gets another year. I don't know, if, and I don't know if Drew Brees gets another year either after this year. That's that's fair to say. He has been on the decline over the last couple of years, even though he did break that record. What was it? Most yards or most touchdowns? Yeah, most yards, I think. Uh, but still, I mean, they're op- they're four point favorites against the Lions on Sunday. And, and the, the Lions are scrappy. Well, yeah, we saw it against the Cardinals. The Lions are scrappy. Yeah. And, and you know, my, Matt Stafford is putting up pretty, I mean, comparable numbers to Drew Brees. Brees has 760 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. And Stafford has 811 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions. But the big difference maker is that Peterson is the lead rusher for the Lions. He doesn't have a touch, a rushing touchdown this season, and he only has two. He has two hundred nine yards. Kamara has three touchdowns in thirty one carries on the ground. He has three receiving touchdowns and on twenty seven receptions. So Kamara could be the difference maker in this game, but. Right now, ESPN predicts 66% in favor of the Saints winning. I want to be against the Lions plus the four. That doesn't sound like a terrible pick to me. And so it's been said. Any other last picks before we close out the show? No. Uh, Yikes to win the World Series. But we haven't even talked about baseball, so we can save that for another time. But love the Yankees. But you heard it here. Yankees to win the World Series. That's Andrew's pick. Write it down. Lock it in. Lock um, it in. I'll come, I'll come with you. Come at you with a, a baseball pick uh, on, on the next episode of the show. But that's all we have time for on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate all the listens and feedback that we get from our lovely supporters. Huge shout out to our friend Erin who comes with feedback every week. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this show and continue to listen. Uh, Let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the show. It is brought to you by Guy Boston Sports, so make sure you're following them on Twitter. Follow Guy New York Sports on Twitter. And follow me and Andrew at SamaraRose31 and at CityJohn. You know, let's talk some sports. Let's talk some gambling. Let's, let's just chop it up. We will catch you all back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>